18 minutes it is uh, before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. Uh, yeah, taking a look at uh, the big stories out uh, uh, in the markets. And, of course, we did touch on the Transnet story. And, uh, uh, of course, going out into the market there and, uh, in this instance, shortlisting uh, a few entities uh, that um, stand ready to be partners alongside uh, alongside Transnet in a special purpose vehicle to modernize uh, our container terminals at some of our ports. Of course, it comes after many years of discussion of private sector participation and the terms of that participation uh, in the uh, uh, logistics and uh, more broadly in the network industries uh, in South Africa. And uh, we continue by taking a look at this and uh, joining me on the line to make sense of uh, this latest announcement uh, which came out uh, in the stock market uh, news service earlier on today. I'm joined on the line by Andrew Pike, Head of Ports, Transport and Logistics at Bowman's. Uh, Andrew, good evening and welcome. Good evening, Ayabonga. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Yeah, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Andrew, maybe just uh, to the point I just made, um, if you just give us uh, some brief background. When we talk about container terminals for the purposes of some of our listeners who might not be familiar with the setup at the ports and sort of what comes in, what comes out, um, and uh, how space is used in a port. What are container terminals and why uh, has Transnet found the need to go out uh, into the market? I mean, they effectively have a comfortable monopoly in the space. Yeah, good point about the monopoly, but master plan. Mm. And and they are focusing largely on Durban, not not exclusively, but to a large extent, because Durban is very much the gateway to, to Africa or to Southern Africa. Sure. And currently, they are probably putting through about 3 million TEUs. That's 20-foot equivalent units. So just say 3 million uh, containers through Durban Port each year. But obviously, someone has done some sums, realizing there's going to be a demand. And they're planning over the next eight years to quadruple almost that throughput. And to do that, they need a couple of things. They need more space, um, and they need... Operators who can move stuff through and who will introduce systems, you know, at uh, you know on scale. So they've put out the Durban Container Terminal Number Two, as well as the Nuka Container Terminal, mm. and they've said we want to privatise this in a sort of joint venture with Transnet Port Terminals, who currently operate those, and. All of the big guys have come out to play. There are some really big names who have put their, their names in a hat. There was a pre-qualification process, and uh, probably 20 people were asked to pre-qualify, or to qualify, rather, and 10 of them have been asked now to bid. So the actual RFP has not yet been circulated. Mm. There's a verification process on performance of those people who have qualified, and then they will all be bidding against each other. But the one thing, Ayabonga, that we will be left with, and it's quite exciting, is, you know, uh, new IT systems, software systems that are absolutely out of the top drawer. But more importantly, management systems, which are able to move containers at far greater rates than they're able to at the moment. And this is because they're anticipating such a growth. And then... Uh, the, the the winner in Durban will be given an option to build a new container terminal, the second one at the point, or a third one really at the point. 
So the stakes are very high, but potentially this could be a game changer mm. for for South Africa. Let's talk about the terms just for a second there, Andrew, because I, I'm quite interested. I mean, if, if there's a special purpose vehicle that's going to be created and then after 25 years, the assets all revert back to, um, you know, TPT, uh, one wonders what kind of terms would make this favorable or even viable for some of these players. I mean, and these players include anyone from Costco to Grindrod to even DP World, which not so long ago acquired... Uh, much of the business of Imperial here in South Africa. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Then And then I guess, the, or maybe let's do this, Andrew. Just pause there. Just hold the line there for me for a second. We're going to take a quick spot break and uh, we'll uh, continue our discussion on the other side of this brief break. Sure. Nine minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the My Team Metro. It's the second part of our business wrap. And I'm joined on the line to talk about uh, the shortlisting of uh, companies who will now be issued with a request for proposals uh, for private sector participation in the Durban Container Terminal, Pier 2, and uh, the Ngoha Container Terminal out in Bumakoloni. And uh, talking to somebody who's been following the story, Andrew Pike, Head of Ports, Transport and Logistics out at Bauman's. Now, Andrew, I guess, uh, I mean, we've touched on, um, you know, 25-year uh, via SPV mechanism and, of course, some of the things that could be improved at these ports. Talk to me about some of these uh, companies. I mean, I've spoken about some of the more recognizable ones, um, Costco's, the DP Worlds, and, and so on, uh, but uh, also seeing a few who are bidding for both, uh, Star Classic Investments, Red Sea Gateway, Terminal Investment, um, and, uh, yeah, also seeing Rem grow there in Abu Dhabi ports. The MSC... Uh, cargo are one of the biggest users of the ports in South Africa. Mm. So, you know, in some ways it makes a lot of sense for a shipping line to guarantee cargo throughput. But, you know, there are there are other issues about it. So who knows where it's going to go. But, yeah, those are really big names and they're credible. All of them had to, when they bid, they had to say that they had terminals under control and management already, which were meeting particular performance requirements, and Transnet's busy verifying those performance requirements to make sure that the guys who have said they can do it can, in fact, do it. Mm. But what's significant there is those performance requirements are above the levels that are currently being delivered in those terminals. So what we can expect is that that would be replicated in these ports, or in these terminals, and and so you would have this, this sort of exponential growth in containers. But part of the biggest issue in South Africa is slow turnarounds, ships sitting outside, costing tens of thousands of dollars per day, and, um, you know, and trucks backlogging in the outside of the port. So, you know, there are some real systemic problems in the, the, the container terminals at the moment. And the aim is obviously to streamline all of that, bring best practice in, and really get South Africa working again. And, and it's part of the whole Operation Bulindlela thing, which is, you know, to to focus on particular areas and say, how do we kickstart the economy again? And one of the best ways, of course, is enhancing the whole import-export supply chain system. And, I mean, I guess the, the other one, just as a last question here, I mean, they do raise the issue insofar as Mucha Port is concerned that um, for the investment that's been made there, probably not getting uh, much by way of the volumes that would make it a 
viable and worthwhile undertaking. Um, you know, are we expecting too much here? I mean, we've been hearing of global supply chain challenges, container shortages and so on. Uh, what's the likelihood that uh, we're yet to see uh, significant volumes that might sort of turn it cash flow positive anytime soon? As far as Nokia is concerned, that's always been a difficult one to call. The idea is to turn it into a transshipment port, meaning mm. not necessarily one where you're importing and exporting, but rather as a center of a hub where you bring cargo in, you put it on a different ship, on a different uh, voyage, and send it somewhere else. And to me, the challenge there is to, to market it as such. And one of the difficulties is that that's also the plan for Durban. Mm. So if you have Durban and Nocha competing for the same markets, I have some real concerns that one of them is going to give way or one will be cannibalizing the other. And so I think that that's probably why you've only seen four bidders, I think it is, on Nocha, whereas you've got 10 RFPs on Durban. And to me, it's because people are a bit risk-averse and they're not seeing Nukha as necessarily such a, a big deal. But it may be that, you know, where there's an overlap between the two, where people have bid on both, they're looking at, at you know, coming in as a package and perhaps making themselves more attractive to Transnet. But I, I'm speculating on those, mm. those thoughts, but, but that is my, my thought process on it. Yeah, Andrew? We'd have to leave it there, but uh, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Ibonga. Good night. That there's Andrew Pike uh, speaking to us all the way from uh, law firm Bauman's uh, and uh, yeah, giving us the latest coming out of uh, container terminals out at Teguini and also in the port of Ngoha.